Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast. I'm Richard Lane on Friday, September the 25th. This week we have a themed issue of the Lancet and I'm delighted to be joined by my colleague Dr Bill Summerskill. Bill, so this week a themed issue about surgery. Why do we need to do this in the Lancet this week? All sorts of reasons, Richard. First of all, one might say why surgery? Well, first of all, surgery is very common. There are more major operations every year than there are childbirths. And second, surgery has a way of capturing the imagination, not just of the public, but of other doctors. When you look at the exciting frontiers we've seen in recent years, face transplants, new windpipes. So uh, surgery is always uh, a good field to have another look at and to look at more closely. Why are we doing it in the Lancet, you might ask? Well, surgery isn't just for developed countries. It's an essential part of public health around the world. So that interests our readers. Plus, The Lancet is always keen to publish the best research that's going to be able to inform practice anywhere. And in fact, this year we've published about a dozen articles on surgery topics. We've looked at things like stomach operations in infants, amputations and diabetics. We've compared different approaches for coronary artery surgery. We've looked at new drugs to reduce the risk of blood clots after surgery. And we've published early results of tissue-engineered blood vessels. So this is just part of what we normally do here. I think also there is a particular obligation that we feel to uh, promote this surgery issue at this time. Many of our listeners will remember that in 1996, Editor Richard Horton likened surgery to a comic opera. This was actually a comment made by Major Greenwood uh, almost 100 years ago, and it caused a lot of irritation in the surgical community. And what is interesting is that irritation has actually worked over that time to produce what I think is a pearl as a result that we see in the Balliol Colloquia here. Because one person in particular, Jonathan Meekins, looked at the problem of surgery, looked at the challenge of the Lancet, and thought, let's get people together to address this issue and see what solutions we can provide. And that's what we report today. Thanks, Bill. And you just touched on on something there that I was just going to ask you a little more about, and that is this collaboration of work that's been coordinated at Balliol College, Oxford. Can you just tell us a little bit more about the workings of that group? Sure. I mean, it's very exciting, Richard. Uh, Jonathan Meekins was visiting from McGill. He is the Nuffield Professor of Surgery at Oxford, and he brought this can-do North American attitude uh, where he really wanted to see us accomplish something here. So he got together about three dozen people, mainly surgeons, but also methodologists, uh, people who fund research, statisticians, regulators, and importantly, researchers from other fields. And it really is interesting to see what can happen when you get together this diverse group of people who seemingly are starting out from very polarized attitudes, and you give them time to engage in a sincere dialogue. And what struck me observing this process was that over the course of the four meetings, people did as much time listening uh, and, and thinking as they did talking. And as a result, a united vision began to develop. And it was really very enthusiastic looking at the opportunities that surgery provides for research. The other thing that came out of this, of course, was the mutual respect and the realization that good research in any field does not occur in a vacuum and how research processes can be improved by bringing people together and combining skills. 
I suppose one could say that the series that we publish today documents that journey. Indeed. And as you mentioned, Bill, there is a series. The, it is a fully themed issue of The Lancet. Virtually every piece of content is relating to surgery. But if you like, the, the, the core of the issue is this three-part series, Bill. Now, obviously, we want people listening to the podcast to go and read the series, so don't want too much detail. But could you just very briefly give us the headlines from those three series papers? Well, I think the, the first paper will appeal to a lot of our readers who may be struggling with doing research in surgery right now. It looks at the challenges of how we get surgical interventions into common practice. The second paper then looks at the issues involving evaluating the benefit of such innovations because unlike a new medicine, there is no regulation for developing a new surgical procedure. So there's an awful onus that is put onto surgeons in this process. And to address that, the third paper proposes a framework which can look at taking innovation right the way through from the operating table to a general population. Uh, This is the ideal framework, which is an acronym for Innovation, Development, Exploration, Assessment and Long-Term Study, which is sort of the, the stages to to take the innovation process through. And I suppose its striking features are the encouragement of early registries where new innovations can be placed in uh, a public domain and the benefits and harms can be recorded right from the beginning. Early ethical involvement to recognize this as a new intervention and, uh, and also trying to move towards an earlier randomized controlled trial when possible. I think one of the problems with trials in surgery is the this saying that it's always too early until it's suddenly too late. So through greater awareness, trying to capture the right time when the clinical question needs to be answered. Thanks, Bill. And in some ways, in, in this sort of modern era of accountability, it seems extraordinary that that sort of paradigm hasn't already been implemented. But as you said, that is that is surgery. That's the the, the area we're talking about. Um, also, briefly, Bill, we should just mention, published just after in the issue uh, of the three-part series, is a health policy piece. And this is taking a global look, isn't it? And it's, am I right in saying it's looking at a kind of surveillance approach sim- similar to that used in global public health? That's right. Our readers may remember, Richard, that about a year ago we published a safe surgery checklist. This came from the Safe Surgery Saves Lives initiative. Now, carrying on from that, the paper today looks at standardized metrics for surgical surveillance, and it's a feasibility study by that group and a measurement group looking at how this information can be gathered in different surgical settings around the world. It includes obvious outcomes like surgical mortality, and by using data like these, we will then be able to demonstrate more efficiently which interventions produce which benefits. Also, Bill, some important surgical research in the issue. For example, I read that one of the authors of a comment linked to the research article about whether or not to use a drain for subdural hematoma said the following, Santerius and colleagues' study should be circulated to every neurosurgery department. Do you want to just pick that up in some of the other research items this week? Yes, we have evidence from Neolithic times of trephining that is, making a small hole in the skull. It's a procedure that's still performed today to relieve pressure on the brain. 
And this group looked at whether inserting a drain after doing the procedure would reduce complications afterwards, and they demonstrated that it did. And I think it's a very elegant example of that no matter how established a procedure is, and in this case we've been trephining the skull for almost 10,000 years, there are always opportunities to extend knowledge and to improve patient outcomes through carefully designed and conducted trials. And I guess that's really the take-home message of this issue. And there's another interesting um, article, isn't there, about carpal tunnel syndrome? Yes, we have another piece here, which is a a trial comparing complex non-surgical interventions with surgery for carpal tunnel syndrome. Uh, And this goes on to show that surgery is superior despite the high level of crossover between groups. Uh, And this is uh, an important aspect of surgical trials, that obviously people who are receiving the non-surgical therapy may at any time opt to cross over into the surgical arm, but of course they need to be analysed in the group to which they were originally allocated. This shows that almost any procedure in surgery, no matter how complicated and how complicated the comparator, can be considered uh, in a formal trial to help give us answers which in turn can then be used to inform patients to make better decisions. Thanks, Bill. And also to mention to our readers that there is a profile on the surgeon-turned-health minister, uh, Ara Dazi, uh, in the UK National Health Service. That is worth a read. It's written by Sarah Bosley, who is a health correspondent for the Guardian newspaper here in the United Kingdom. And finally, Bill, to sum up this issue, how would you do that? And obviously the long editorial this week uh, talks about surgery, which no doubt you were, you were working on. So just your final reflections on this surgery issue and, and where we are. Well, I think this recognises the changing uh, landscape of surgery. And surgeons themselves are aware of this, that research is changing, research funding is changing. Indeed, innovation and evaluation uh, are items on the agenda for this year's American uh, College of Surgeons Congress in Chicago. I think what this issue tries to do is to recognize the complexity and challenges of surgical research, but nonetheless to be enthusiastic about the opportunities. Bill Summerskill, many thanks indeed for your time, and I hope everyone enjoys listening to this and reading the surgical issue, and we look forward to hearing about the issue, no doubt, in the correspondence section in a few weeks' time from some surgeons out there. So many thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.